there. I'm Bar Ruven. I'm the co-founder of the Cat 669 Alumni Association and the Executive Vice President of Development for the American Friends of Unit 669, a.k.a. AFU 669. In addition to my unit work, I'm an entrepreneur. I sold my first startup called Mishlochov a few years ago, and I'm now the co-founder and CEO of Dishare. And I'm Dr. Jonathan Pfeffer. I'm an innovation and mentoring expert. I help U.S. and Israeli startups and multinationals design and implement their innovation strategy. I'm a mentor and judge at Harvard's Innovation Lab and a mentoring supervisor at the CAT 669 Alumni Association, among others. Lastly, I teach innovation management and strategy at Reichman University. Our guest today is a firm Zionist, served as our annual gala chairman this year. He's one of our major donors and one of the first board members of AFU 669. Started his 33-year career in the financial services industry in 1982 at Oppenheimer Co., and served in many management roles in the company and in the industry. In 2015, he decided to pursue an entrepreneurial path and founded a few companies and a venture capital fund, all very successful. Peter Feinberg, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Hello, and thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So, Peter, I want to start from uh, your connection to the, to the unit, to the organization. We know each other for a few years already, I think since 2018. Since then, uh, you keep um, supporting the unit and the soldiers and the association in many, many ways. What motivated you or still motivating you today to, to be part of our family? So, um, quite frankly, philanthropy is in my DNA. It's, it's from what my parents passed on to us, and I feel that we have an obligation. You know, the timing of meeting Barr, and I met him in Jaffa, could not have been better. Uh, I had just returned from a trip with my daughter from Prague. We went to a work camp outside of Prague, mm. and it like it took me a half a day to absorb this, to catch my breath. Uh, I've been to Dachau many years mm-hmm. ago, but after this particular visit, uh, it registered. And as a Jew uh, outside of the state of Israel, as a Jew, um, we have an obligation to support the IDF or any unit of the IDF, if in fact, We do not support the IDF outside of Israel, even in Israel. This podcast does not take place. Mm-hmm. And it was that simple. So I was vulnerable. I meet Baruvin, who is like unbelievable. He's got yeah, this yeah. vision for this 669 foundation. <clears throat> Truly didn't understand or grasp it. But as I learned more and more about it, I want to be part of this. Thing. And from nothing... Basically, we put together a group that were passionate, Zionistic, and I, I'm sure had some of the same beliefs that I had. It took me a little more time. And by the way, we've always been, I have, as well as my family, incredibly involved in supporting the state of Israel. We built a child development center for um, three- and four-year autistic kids mm. in Rishon Lezion. It's a model mm. program today. So I think Israel, every time I go to Israel... It only gets better and better. And once I leave Israel, I can't wait to go back hmm. on my next trip. You know, Peter, um, I'm thinking of, of other um, successful people like yourself listening to, to the uh, uh, recording, uh, to, the, to the interview now. And um, I guess I'm getting into their mindset. I'm, and I'm thinking uh, or maybe voicing some question that probably listening to you would, would they have, which is you've had such a um, successful career in finance. 
And you don't get to be so successful in your career if you're not 100% or 200% focused on it and, and, and invested in it you know, emotionally, mentally, in, in either way. So how do, you, how do you then do that and on top of that you know, spend time to do philanthropy, like, but real philanthropy, to learn about the state, to learn about the organizations, to learn about the IDF, to learn about why it's important? You know, is it something that happens at a certain point in time when you have more in life, when you have more time for that? Is it something you do at the same time? How do you balance these two? One might even say like almost two careers, right? The philanthropy and the finance. Good question. Good topic. Um, I, I, I'm a lot luckier than I am smart. And maybe I'm smart because I know I'm not that smart. But there's a common theme here, okay? I want to be impactful. I want to make a difference. Um, I was very fortunate to basically get involved in a career. I'm a numbers guy. I barely know how to read or write, but I'm very, very good with numbers. Mm. And I started at a firm by the name of Oppenheimer right out of college. I went to predominantly non-Jewish college, Quaker college, which is fairly impactful to me. Mm. So I end up getting a job at the lowest level at this firm as a clerk mm. on the floor of the American Stock Exchange. I loved it. I'm the type of guy that I can have 20 balls up in the air, throw them up in the morning, and at the end of the day, hopefully I catch 18, maybe 20 if I'm lucky. Yeah. But I can have multiple, multiple shots on goal. And actually, that is a theme, mm. I, I guess, an underlying theme, not only with my life, but the way that you know I invest, mm. as well as philanthropy. So with philanthropy, I want to make a difference. We're heavily involved in cancer research, cutting edge, bringing novel drugs to the market that will impact people's lives. There's no guarantee, but and a tremendous amount of risk, but with multiple shots on goal, I'm hopeful that some of them work. In terms of philanthropy, you know, It, it, you know, we're fairly focused. I try to help out a lot, but our real focus is in impacting people's lives and cancer research and also with the state, of, you know, supporting the state of Israel. C- correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you changed your career at some point um, to, um, you know, to, to the to, VC to, or to VC or to, to invest by yourself in a very specific um, uh, industry. So... How did you choose this specific uh, industry? Why this direction? I spent 32 years at this firm Oppenheimer. I loved Oppenheimer. Um, I had a fabulous career. And quite frankly, I don't want to sound pompous. I was excellent at doing what I did. I was basically the head of global equity trading, which sounds extremely glamorous. But the truth of the matter is, I was a head croupier at a card game that I was very good at playing. Hmm. And I enjoyed it. And I liked the challenges. But after 30 years, I saw that the model was changing. And basically, I think I can do more in the second part of my life than what I'm doing right now. Meaning, customer wants more and more, wants to pay less and less, and a lot more risk. As I said earlier, my family's always been involved philanthropically um, with cancer research. And when I say that, what I meant is, you know, we have supported brilliant researchers in the embryonic stagers, stages of their career When money was tight mm. so we would fund these guys some of these guys moved on in their careers and became rock stars various institutions around the country hmm. the United States so as I'm sitting out at this card table really my trading desk I'm thinking I can provide more value I'm gonna bring the money to the brilliance I'm gonna bring these biotech mm. life science investors hedge funds long-term investors to go meet the brilliance behind the science at some of these institutions MD Anderson 
You're going to meet Jim Allison, who basically won the Nobel Prize for immunotherapy. You're going to go up to MIT Koch Institute. You'll go to Dana-Farber. You'll go to Albert Einstein, where my family's been unbelievably active in terms of meeting the brilliance behind the science. Mm -hmm. While I was doing this eight to 10 mm -hmm. years ago, there was an underlying theme. I'm not a medical guy. I'm not a science guy. But these brilliant institutions are starting to monetize their intellectual property. I come back after my 15th or 20th trip. I meet with a friend of mine who's super successful, an out-of-the-box thinker. And basically, I said, you know what? Something just clicked. I think I'm basically going to leave Oppenheimer. And I think that there's an opportunity by these preclinical, non-public intellectual property assets from these institutions. And the way that we'll do it to mitigate at risk, we'll buy a lot of them. Hmm. So my friend says to me, you're not hmm. going to believe this. Literally a couple of weeks ago, I met with a guy by the name of Dr. Andrew Lowe. He's at MIT Sloan Institute. He's a financial engineering, world-renowned economist. He had just published a paper, I think it was 2011, 12, mm -hmm. very provocative. He's going to cure cancer by creating this $20 billion mega fund. And what he's going to do is take everything from the lab, put it into the clinic, knowing 90, 95% will fail. Mm -hmm. All you need is 5 to 10% that will hit. So one thing leads to another. We start, it's a very humbling experience when you go out and start a company. Mm. He introduces us to one of his students, Stanford undergrad, MIT PhD, onto McKinsey, then went on to oh. third mom, a guy by the name Neil Kumar. I meet Neil Kumar. He is unbelievable. He understands the science, the business, and the medicine. So we start a company called Bridge Bio. We're going to go out and raise 500 million bucks, and basically everybody's going to give us money. No problem. <laughs> Again, very humbling. Nobody gave us money. We started the company with seven and a half to eight million bucks. Number of guys got behind us and me, mm -hmm. showed confidence. And today, the market cap right now is probably a billion five, a billion seven. BBIO, we took the company public. It was as high as eight to nine billion. We will be back. We will be back. But it's unbelievable. We have two FDA approvals and some big readouts for 2023, which I'm extremely excited. Can you, can you so that's Bridge Bio. Wow. No, ju just to explain a little bit more about what, what you do, what Bridge Bio does. Bridge Bio basically focuses in the sector of rare genetic diseases. And in rare genetic diseases, uh, I mean, it's a pretty broad, you know, spectrum of opportunities. And what we did and what Neil did is it's a hub and spoke model where we will buy preclinical non-public assets brilliant institutions mm -hmm. and basically develop these things. So there are about 20 different assets right now in the bridge bio model. What we get involved in, just to be very clear, is unique and differentiated opportunities. Nothing is binary. Mm -hmm. It's all mitigating at risk. I'm involved in housing, multifamily housing in Detroit. Mm -hmm. It's 460 units and 15 different buildings. So one building's not going to take us down. Yeah. I'm involved in solar energy in Rwanda, uh, basically bringing um, solar energy off the grid um, energy into families' homes. We're in 200,000 homes right now, so a kid can read in the evening, mm -hmm. a mother can cook a meal without the wood or kerosene. It's changing Africa, mm -hmm. and that continues to expand. So one of my partners, and I'll go through this yep. shortly, mm -hmm. I have three partners, um, Joseph Katz, who's extremely family, unbelievable um, leadership, Weizmann Institute, mm. 
uh, a number of others, Jewish theolo Jewish Theological Seminary, they get it as well. Mm -hmm. My son, Louis Feinberg, we just brought on a new partner, Steve Spinner, uh, and I'll talk a little about where directionally we're going in food tech. But um, we try to do what we think that we have, competitive advantage, working with brilliant people, um, that we can differentiate ourselves from everybody else's. Everybody's going right, you want to go left. <laughs> so I'm in the process. I live in Florida right now. I'm moving, this is about four or five years ago, from Short Hills, New Jersey, down to Florida. <laughs> Bridge Bio is going, and uh, a number of other things that I'm involved. I leave Oppenheimer, and I'm trying to find some balance in my life. My partner, Joseph Cax, is all over me that I need to meet this guy by the name of Ben Zeskin. I don't want to meet mm. Ben Zeskin. I'm too focused on moving. I've got my other stuff. Who am I? I'm a Whittier College undergrad. Who am I to meet with a guy who went to MIT undergrad, MIT PhD, Harvard MBA, oh. and then bootstrapped this company by the name of Immuneering? Who am I? So I end up meeting with Ben Zeskin. I'll tell you who I am. I'm a jackass because we meet with Ben Zeskin and I'm thinking like, this is unbelievable. I might have another swing at the ball. And this guy, uh, you know, again, in 08, bootstrapped this company. So we had him put together his wish list. Mm -hmm. and what Immuneering does is they take all this bioinformatic information, millions and millions of pieces of data, puts it through our algorithms, and then we do our own biology and chemistry to come up with novel drug creation hmm. in oncology. And we've streamlined this and become more focused. So we end up getting involved. We lead. A number of friends and family followed us into immuneering. Long story short, I'm on the board. It's a public company. I just want to make it very clear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm on the board. It's a public company. The symbol is IMRX. We took the company public. I think we're sitting on the holy ground for solid tumors. It's unbelievable. It's a novel approach. And we have dosed our first patient. And, you know, we'll see. Wow. But it's unbelievably exciting. And it really showed me, like, I'll meet with anybody <laughs> yeah. that You're basically, kidding. you know, can provide value or, or I can learn something. You but, know, um, so that's immuneering. No, I just want to ask something uh, very quick about the data, the data resources. Of immuneering, it's from the insurance company, uh, companies, from the hospitals, from the clinics. So you, there's government, um, there's government data out there that everybody has access, to. and it's a huge universe um, where we get our data from. And what they have done, and nobody has got the expertise, um, the experience of doing this. They might be better, bigger than us. They're certainly not better. And he basically, him and his team, which is just mm -hmm. outstanding, uh, basically takes all this data and is able to narrow it down mm -hmm. to create novel drugs. They used to give, this is interesting, the, the timing <laughs> of this, um, advice to different companies, Amgen, hmm. Bristol-Myers Squibb, oh, wow. a number of others. There's a company out there mm -hmm. by the name of Teva, <laughs> also who they used to advise. Teva liked it so much they ended up buying 51% of the company oh. or 50% of the company. Teva since then has re been redirected. Mm -hmm. Immuneering bought back Teva stock, mm -hmm. but there was a partnership and a collaboration between Teva and Immuneering. Very interesting. And you know, um, I'm, I'm listening to you, Peter, and um, 
it sounds very, very exciting and very, um, you know, both exciting in terms of like the risk reward and exciting in terms of the impact that it can have on the world and on people's lives. And then in my mind, and maybe I'm wrong here, so correct me, there is, I, I'm finding it hard to uh, connect that to um, being in one industry for so many years in the financial industry and what you're doing now, which sounds it's like an explosive of, of opportunity <laughs> and a roller coaster of, you know, of impact of, uh, in different domains, in different dimensions, you know, uh, the, 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 um, the real estate and the uh, VC and life science and all of this. Um, how does it all fit into one person? So like, was it like two separate periods in your lifetime or do you think it's the same underlying skills and personality, just different opportunities to manifest them? I'll be straight with you. I'm 62 years old uh, at the age of four or six, probably one of the first to be diagnosed as a hyperactive ADD guy mm. who's got the ability to, you know, do multiple things, but I guess, you know, and, and continue to juggle. And maybe I should be in a circus as a juggler. <laughs> Still to catch 20 you know, balls at the end of the Ritalin day. I was on at the age of uh, like 10, where my mother would give me this medication, Ritalin, which is, mm -hmm. you know, supposed to calm you down. I would never take the Ritalin and give it to a friend of mine because she put it in my sandwich. That kid is probably right now, you know, on a stretcher somewhere as I'm, you know, going 100 miles an hour. So to me, I think life is extremely rich. Mm. And whatever I, by the way, a lot of disappointments. You take risks, there's disappointment. Mm. Now, this is, nothing is linear. Mm -hmm. Nothing is straight. Yeah, well, look But you learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you pause, you learn. And, you know, it's interesting. I even tell my partners, and we talk about this, you know, everything that we've invested in uh, is not turned to gold. But what I will tell you is, you know, we have learned from the mistakes and we own those mistakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's our capital and friends mm -hmm. and family capital. We learn from the mistakes. And there are three first barriers, the individual, the leadership, it's the idea, and the ability to, you know, finance. Mm -hmm. And each one is equally weighted. And even fail or we misjudge one of those three, we need to reevaluate and, mm -hmm. you know, redirect. Mm -hmm. But not everything we've done, quite frankly, and if we didn't have failures, uh, we wouldn't be able to learn. Mm -hmm. And those failures, have, I think, are more important, quite frankly, than some of the successes. Mm. How much you know? do you invest in the in the team or the, the person or the, the vision of this team and the founding team or the, the idea and the product? So, so it's interesting. We invest, we put up first cap, everything we do. And like, if you guys wanted to participate, we'll tell you what we're doing and we're doing it better. Because the first couple of years, we're called boxcar partners. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we're called boxcar partners, and I'll go back to your question, is where I met Ben Zeskin was at a bar in Short Hills, New Jersey called Boxcar. <laughs> and I told you, I was unbelievably humble. We're like, who am I not to meet this guy? We now changed the name to Boxcar Partners. Uh -huh. I will never forget, hmm. you know, like meeting or talking to somebody. Who am I not to do that? So... Um, in terms of the investment strategy, we will put up our own cap, you know, depending on sometimes we lead and we take an, app, a, a, mm -hmm. an active role. So we're focused on life sciences. Mm -hmm. We're very involved in e-games, e-sports, mm -hmm. because of my son mm -hmm. who had seven or eight years exposure. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we're invested in Israeli technology startups. And in the last four years, got involved in three years in out of Dubai, um, where there's a shortage of growth capital mm. in technology startups as well. And um, it's really important for us, and I'm stating the obvious, to partner up with somebody who we think is wicked smart, mm-hmm. incredibly creative, and gets it. So where we are going now in 2023, and we're laser focused, number one priority is this food tech fund, Boxcar Food Tech Fund. And Sorry to stop you, Peter, and, and I want you to keep talking about it, but just to give our listeners a few words about Steven Spinner, because I know with Steven Spinner, and maybe it's important for them to, to understand also why it's that important to your next few sentences. So as I mentioned, our fourth partner that recently um, joined us probably is my best friend since for over 50 years, well over 50 years, which is crazy to even say. Um, he's an expert in uh, food distribution in the food business. He was the past CEO of the largest organic natural food distributor and also the chairman. He's outstanding. And what we've decided and we've been working on for the last three or four months We're pretty close to tightening this up. We're going to put together a very unique food tech fund with these are deals that are under the radar mm-hmm. that nobody would see. And our strategic advisory board are going to be invested LPs that will also be able will be able to leverage off of mm-hmm. their knowledge, expertise um, and brilliance in the space. Uh, we're extremely excited about this. We have put some money to work already. Really, I guess the point I want to make is mm-hmm. where we have expertise, where we are plugged into a mm-hmm. network, where we can provide value and differentiate in this multiple shot on goal um, investment um, theme is really where we're going. So we're not everything to everybody, but I, I, I'm really excited about this and I've learned tremendous amount about the food tech business. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, you also invest, you're kind of a fund of funds, right? You invest through other funds. So what, what's the difference in the strategy of yeah. in, in, in directly investment? So that's good. I, I, we've gotten better. We're, we're doing very little of that part where mm. we, we don't go into funds as much. Mm. You we prefer do to do it your way. A hundred percent right. Sometimes we get it wrong, mm-hmm. but we're going to do it our way. And so far that has worked. Even through a very difficult period and challenging period where there was disconnect and uncertainty creates opportunities. But the funds that we have gone into have given us the opportunity to a number of these different sidecar deals that we've gotten involved and developed relationships as well. I want to ask you um, a question we like to ask uh, a lot of our interviewees. If you were now to somehow magically transport back in time, To meet your younger self, I don't know if the younger self is maybe when you just left the Quaker College or joined Oppenheimer, or maybe it was when your mother gave you that first uh, sandwich which you <laughs> gave away to someone else. You know, choose a, a period in time in the past. If you were then to meet your younger self, what would you say, younger Peter? What would you, what would you what give a piece of advice would you give younger Peter? You know, so many different things... make us the way we are you know there everybody's got these different experiences for the better or for worse that impacts directionally their lives one of the things that I did not really mention um, which was unbelievably impactful so while I'm working for Oppenheimer uh, they need somebody to run the West Coast office so my business is rocking 
I'm now 29 years old. So I guess I went out there when I was 28. I'm out there for a year. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I'm diagnosed with colon cancer. Mm. Wow. I have a six-month-old son. And, like, this can't be possible. Wow. wow. You know, like, you get hit right in the stomach. You grow up very quickly. You're in this hall, and everybody mm -hmm. who's listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. you guys, you, you might have had something in your life where you're in this hall alone, and you got to figure out. Now, people are around the hall, and they want to pull you out, but yeah. you've got to figure it out. Mm. And you grow up. So I would say pause to answer your question. Pause. Mm -hmm. Think about those those moments or, or situations that maybe you're on this runaway train mm -hmm. and where you need to put the brakes on and figure out how to turn that. The mind is a very powerful tool. You need to stay in front of it mm. and not it get in front of you. You know, where there is um, disconnect and mm. where there is uncertainty and change creates opportunities. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. I, I guess from what you just said, both in professional life, but also in personal life, right? Yeah. That was a heavy duty. Yeah. I, and by the way, I say this respectfully, unbelievably sensitive. And the reason why I'm on this podcast is clearly my passion for the state of Israel, clearly my involvement with 669. And I meet with these soldiers that have got these personal, um, that it, it, it's inside you know, these personal experiences mm -hmm. that I'm hopeful that are uh, like heavy, heavy duty, mm -hmm. that they're able to take that and, and make it something positive and help them, you know, get stronger Absolutely. and move forward. I, I, I don't know if I'm explaining that yes. possibly, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm incredibly sensitive yeah. to that. Completely, yeah. completely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Peter, um, we had special connection uh, since the beginning, since uh, we met uh, in Jaffa a few years ago, and I really, really appreciate our friendship. And, and of course, thank you for everything you do, again, for the organization and for the country, the state of Israel, and, and for, for the entire human, uh, human being with, uh, with your companies and with your involvement. Uh, so thank you very much, and keep, keep doing your uh, amazing work. And I want to thank the Ariella House Radio Studio in Tel Aviv for hosting us, and thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Our uh, podcast uh, will be uploaded to Spotify, Apple Music, and we will advertise it through the AFU 669 marketing channels. If you want to get our newsletter, the podcast episode, or to get involved, please join our mailing list or write us through our website at www.afu669.org. Thanks again, Peter. Stay well, and we're looking forward to our next episode.